Welcome to Edgework on the Hammer Betting Network with our regular crew, Zach Bodenstein and the guys from the fourth period, Dave Penyota, Dennis Bernstein. Guys, before you guys head off to Florida for the All-Star Game, make us all jealous again. We're going to talk more hockey and obviously there's a lot to talk about. I think, Dave, though, we have to start with Bruce Boudreaux, the entire kind of Canucks dynamic that we're dealing with here. This is the most, hands down, the most dysfunctional thing I've ever seen. Uh, when it comes from a managerial standpoint, the players were obviously taken hard by this. Uh, there's a lot going on here. So before we actually get into the team, let's talk about off the ice. Because this can't be an easy situation for Bruce, the players, the fans. A total mess out there in Vancouver right now. Well, it's our fault. Because we speculated. Right. It, it, nothing, nothing to do with the people in the Canucks organization leaking no. crap all over the place um, to us and us <laughs> doing our jobs. This is our fault. Um, this could have been handled. I mean, everybody knows it. This could have been handled and should have been handled differently. Once things really start to got it, uh, to, to get out, excuse me, about you know four weeks prior. I mean, we knew that Alvin and, and Aquilini flew to Vegas to meet with Rick Tockett at, at, when it happened. We found out the day after, and we didn't report it. But I mean, people found out too, and then eventually they reported that. So, it, I mean. This could have been when when word started to get out. That's when they should have done something about it. You know, it, it's unfortunate. Yeah, they had to wait for talk to make sure that his schedule would would have worked out. Um, and maybe they penciled this date, but they moved up the press conference a day because we had first reported yeah. that talk it was in Vancouver, and then everybody else jumped on that. So you couldn't have moved up the actual decision. Um, it, it, just the way it was handled. You know, if they would have came out and admitted and said, look, we're pissed off, we're upset that it leaked, um, it's not the way we wanted this to go, we've apologized to Bruce for the, for the way that this thing played out, it got out, there wasn't really much else we could do at this point, but we wanted him to stick around until we were ready, we relayed that message, blah, 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 blah. If they just would have gone in that direction, fine. Um, it, I think everybody would have understood. Uh, and if it didn't leak, and it just started to leak over the weekend, then nobody's complaining. It's just the way that this thing was done, um, DB. It just yeah. it left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And Bruce is saying all the right things right now. Yeah. His contract expires officially at the end of June. I'm curious to see what he has to say in <laughs> July because I can tell you it wasn't a pretty situation. Yeah, well, look, you can't have a coach in tears at morning skate availability and behind the bench. You can't have that. So – but, but right. here's the issue. It's not the issue, but here's the challenge. On the merits of the team's performance, yeah, you have every right to fire the coach. They're the third worst defensive yep. team in the league. There's no structure. I get it. They've got a lot of talented forwards. They have no defense. It doesn't help that Thatcher Demko all of a sudden is a sub-900 save percentage guy. But when it got mm -hmm. found out, like you have to let him go there, and you have to appoint an interim coach. Yeah, if you want to wait 30 days for Rick Tockett and the contract and all that stuff, that's great. But when it got found out, like that's a you you pull the ripcord and say okay we're going to dismiss Bruce as assistant we're going to put an interim in there and however it takes long to Rick Tockett and something fell through with Rick Tockett because you were getting rid of this coach like it, it it should have been very simple okay it got found out okay the team's not performing that's it because if there was no leaks to the media and he was dismissed at any point you look at the record and the team is what two points or four points ahead of San Jose like it's way underachieving and the underachieved for the coach that they achieved for last season. So on the merits of it for performance from a coaching standpoint, yes, like no problem mm -hmm. with the change. Everything after that point, 
Sorry, it was it was it was real. And and he's a really good man. That's the, like he's not some jerk. Yeah. Right. Like he's a really good man. He's a lifer. And Zach, the funny thing, I don't know if you saw this video. Bruce Boudreaux's first NHL goal for the Leafs was scored against Jim Rutherford. So maybe he really does hold a grudge. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a grudge. Yeah, that goes back a long way. Um, now, yeah. I, I, I agree with what you guys are saying because it, it brings up a good point. The actual coaching change itself, I think there's merit behind that. It makes sense. But yeah. part of the way that it all materialized, him knowing it's his last his last game and the fans and, you know, it was obviously a, a cool spectacle in terms of the support that he got. But for him to actually have to go through that and his family, there's a whole human element of this that I think a lot of people are, are disregarding. It's good that, that Bruce is getting the recognition from that standpoint that he is. Um, and, and he's and, and just like he's as soon as this. Well, even before it got out um, or the, the change was official. Uh, like he's already got offers. Sportsnet offers him a contract to jump on with them. TSN's offered him a contract to join their their trade deadline coverage. NHL Network, um, who I did, I, he's I, been I, on he was, NHL Network before. Yeah, when yeah. when he was on, like we were on together. Like they've reached out and said, if you want to come back, we'd love to have you. He's going to be back on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio mm-hmm. um, as well once a week. Uh, I think yeah, he did one piece this week. I don't know if he started yeah. anyway. Like he's got he's got offers. Like he's in, he's a hot commodity kind of guy. And you've got to imagine that other teams are going to look at him in the offseason as well, if they are making coaching changes, to look at him as well. Again, echoing what DB said, based on the way the Canucks have played, you could justify that this was the right move for them in terms of where they are, having to change the, the, the uh, philosophy of this team and the way that they play. So to let him go, that's not the issue. The issue is the way this was done. Um, and, and just for the record, I know there are some reports, and Vancouver people love to crap all over the owner uh, all the time, Francesco Aquilini. Yes. They love to poop all over this guy. And sometimes some things, okay, maybe they're a little you know justified. In this case, there are reports that he pulled the strings on everything, every single situation here with regards to the coaching staff. And I know people are, are, are really behind that. I know for full fact, he did not. Um, the source can't get any better than my source on this one. Um, and I've got two of them that kind of back this one as well. I know people are saying they got good sources too, and I'm, I'm not discrediting them uh, just no. as far as I know. Um, no. He, did he have a say? Obviously. He's the owner. He's got to pay these guys. He's the owner of the team. He's involved in these in the decision process. Did he pull all the strings? No. So I just want to kind of make that clear. Um, and this wasn't told to me. This is done as a – I just want to clarify the situation. Um, but – like this is this is move one of what X in Vancouver, Horvat, Kuzmenko they got to sign or trade. Like his agent just posted last night, money bag yeah. symbol <laughs> with with Kuzi on there. Like so you have that. Luke Shen's probably going to get dealt. They're figuring out Brock Besser, Connor Garland, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's this is an avalanche of stuff that's going to happen in Vancouver. This was just the first step. I got a great Boost Boo Joe story. It, it goes to I think Dave knows the story from SiriusXM. Bruce is part of the, the rotation of guys that go in the discussion room. Me, Steve Coolius, and Bruce. And this is before Bruce got the job in Vancouver last season. Um, so we're talking about interim coaches and how successful they are. And I said, yeah, you know, sometimes the teams say, look at the look at what happened with the Wild and Dean Everson. Except Dean Everson replaced Bruce Boudreau. And we're on the same round table. Right. 
And Bruce goes, I, I, well, I don't really that, yeah. agree with that 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 one particular point, <laughs> but you know, we can go on. Like, I was so, yeah. I was like, and it was radio, but I was turning bright red. I like, I take Bruce, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to you all like that. But, but Bruce is that quintessential nice guy. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So look, he's going to go home. He's going to relax. He's going to do TV. And then some team may want to have him sign up because apparently he's not done it. And if it was me, guys, I wouldn't want this to be my final coaching in the NHL. I'd want another shot, certainly, uh, to, to prove myself. Not that he needs too much proving. The only thing he really hasn't done is won a cup. But a really good guy who got dragged through the mud. And, look, he'll get paid on TV and he'll do very, very well. And then I think at some point, uh, hopefully, some team will tap him on the shoulder and say, look, we need your uh, coaching ability. Exactly. You got to think he's going to be back at some point. We said the same about Barry Trotz. If they want that opportunity, there's got to be something out there for these guys. And I don't discredit that for a second, the fact that he's just an ultra nice person. You can see that. And, you know, all the reports that were being leaked out from his own players crying in his office, like giving him big hugs. You can tell he had an impact on them. Players coach. At what point? And what's that, TB? He's a player's coach without question. Yeah. And, yeah, and what, and what I mean, he did for that franchise, he saved Pedersen because Pedersen was playing like crap under Travis Green. He came in and the kid took back off. And that, that so when you look back at his legacy, yeah, he didn't win championships. Yeah, he didn't get to the playoffs. Yeah, he got, you know, whacked in a very, very messy situation. But but these players like Bo Horvat, like Pedersen, and look, under him, JT Miller got an extension. Maybe that wasn't the greatest thing for Vancouver at this point, the way JT's playing. But he's a player's coach. He's well-liked. So, so when you have like maybe a – a heavy-handed coach and you want to break, I think the other end of the pendulum is going to a guy like Bruce Boudreaux. For me, I look at Vancouver and I see it as a managerial mess. And, and Bruce was kind of put in a tough spot because of the way this team's constructed. And I feel like the three of us have actually talked about that a lot. The fact that they were not built from the back out. They were kind of built front heavy, uh, lacking depth. The back end, of course, a massive issue. The goaltending, you never really knew what you were going to get. You had a couple really good years from Demko. But the team wasn't really constructed well, and it kind of puts Bruce in a tough spot at that point. So, of course, you have to make some sort of move on top of the contracts and the trades. Bruce is out. Rick Tockett comes in, guys. And the first game that the Hawks – or, sorry, I should say, the Canucks play against the Hawks under Rick Tockett, not only is a jersey thrown on the ice within the five first minutes of the first period, but they won. And they outshot the Hawks 48-14. to And I know it's Chicago DB, and of course we can say they probably would have done that anyway. Of course, they're playing with heavy hearts. Um, but this team doesn't look like they're going to the playoffs. They're closer to the bottom Bedard uh, standings than they are to an actual playoff spot. So... At this point, you know, you can kind of argue also, what was the point of the change now? Uh, his contract expires at the end of the year. There are a lot of ways you can go about it. Now, in terms of them on the ice, DB, what are you expecting to see from Vancouver going forward? Is this going to be a turn of the tide? They have a lot of questions surrounding them at the trade deadline right now. So what's your overall look at Vancouver as we head towards March? Well, I know that the premise is that Rick Tuckett's going to bring in structure. And I'm sure, I'm assuming he will from his days in, in Arizona, but didn't have the greatest relationship with OEL when he left. So that, that's that got to be mended. That has got to be mended. And, and given the schedule and the lack of practice time, it's it's I won't say it's impossible. It's so difficult to install a new system at game 50. Like it's it's almost impossible. You're talking, yeah. you're buying Rick Tocker for next season, right? For for training camp, for system, because yeah. there's limited practice time. I, I don't know how you could do it. You could do some video work, but I just don't see that happening. So it's it's almost like a caretaker for the season. They're not making the playoffs, as you mentioned. And we'll see about structure. So if he could put structure in the game, 
you know, it's one thing to put in structure. It's one thing to execute. So you look at that blue line, Dave, and you say, okay, well, OEL's been a healthy scratch. Tyler Myers, nobody wants that contract. They're not the same. Look, once they let Chris Tano go, that's been a, a major, major thing because that was the guy that Quinn Hughes leaned on. And so unless they're going to be better defensively in the net, they're still going to be entertaining and they're going to lose games because they're going to give up a lot of goals. And that's the whole point of Rick Tockett here, uh, I guess. But Rick Tockett is a sub-500 coach. Like if you compare his record to Bruce Boudreaux's, it's not close. Now, granted, I, I know what they want well, with respect to structure, and I get it. But, Arizona. I mean, that, that, that's that's how I look at Tockett coming in. Yeah, he's a sub-500 coach. But, I mean, four years in Anaheim, uh, Scotty Bowman would be a sub-500 coach. With Arizona, Arizona, yeah. Or, excuse me, Arizona, yeah. Uh, like Scotty Bowman in his prime would have probably been a sub 500. There just wasn't any talent there. Um, look, with this, with, with, and backing up what you're saying there, DB, I think the other element to talk it coming in now is who are your guys that are sticking around? Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, barring some gigantuan offer, mm-hmm. JT Miller, because they gave him the contract and he's sticking around and he actually back checked last night. So good job, number nine. Um, <laughs> and then what else do you have? Like if Kuzmenko sticks around, like your, your main guys going into next season on, like you need them to get acclimated to his system because not only is, are the, are the other players going to follow the system of Tockett, but they're going to follow the lead of the leaders of this team. So you kind of get a head start there. They know they're not making the playoffs. They know they're going to be dismantling this roster. Rutherford and Alvin have admitted that, and it just hasn't happened yet because they overplayed their hand a little bit. Um, so there are going to be additional changes. Yeah, they have to figure out their defensive core. Uh, goaltending, I mean, look, this season Demko's been hurt, and he's been out longer. It was supposed to be six weeks. Now it's approaching 10, 11 weeks by the time he actually comes back, and that might just be practice. Um, by the way, side note, sidebar, if you hear his name in trade speculation in the summer – Remember, I told you not to be well, surprised. First, so. <laughs> um, that being said, they, yeah, they have to modify and, and augment this roster quite significantly. So, well, he, here's the we'll challenge here, though, but about talk about Rutherford. Yeah, when Rutherford says major surgery, it, it's not the guy at the time. I'll, I'll tell you what the challenge is. It's Tyrell Myers at six million. It's uh, yep. Connor Garland at almost five. Oh. It's Mikheyev at four point seven. Yeah, OEL, right? So that so he's talking about major surgery, but like it's when you pay like middle six guys almost five million, I don't know how you do it. Like you can't retain that much because it's a salary cap. So so the major surgery that he proposes, if he does that, like I, you know, I'll sign him up to my heart surgery back, you know, when I need one because that that it's a major challenge given the the type of players, the term, and the price on these players. It's it's not going to be that easy. I will just just add, other than Mikheyev, those contracts were grandfathered in for both Rutherford and um, and Alvin. But, again, they overplayed. They thought they would be able to make some moves and get rid of these guys. Nobody wants them at, that, at those price tags. And OEL's got a full no move. They've asked him like 94 times to waive it. He said no each time. And then I think it got progressively more he aggressive. He waved to go there. Why would he asked. wave to leave? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I keep, right. I'm, I'm I know. I know. I'm making my eight mil. I'm good. Living by the water. Yeah. So, I mean, giving Mikheyev four and a half million, I guess it kind of made sense if they believed truly that they were going to be a wild card playoff contender. But they're not. So, you know, whatever. But 
I thought that was a decent enough contract. It's just based on how they're playing this season, it doesn't work. Dave, this is a betting show after all. Um, last part, yeah. on the, last thing on the Canucks. How do you think this affects player props? Because historically, Tockett is more defensive, and you mentioned JT Miller back-checking. Um, does this hurt players' chances of getting shots, getting on the board overall? Because they did make some line changes as well. Well, if, if the game against Chicago is any indication, uh, no, because they had 48 freaking shots. <laughs> uh, now, granted, it was against Chicago. Um, but to DB's point earlier, like, they're an off- they're, they're top-heavy. So they've got offense. They've got guys up front. So if you're leaning towards shot props or you're leaning towards, you know, Horvat continuing to score, he got the empty netter, so that helps. Um, but Besser getting on the board, PD continuing to, to put up the numbers. They're going to still do that. They're just going to give up a crap ton of goals too. So yeah, maybe play the over in a yeah. lot of their games. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of player props, the like they're still going to do that. Yeah, pretty much. So True. they're still going to do that. They're still going to provide offense. Um, but they're going to give up a lot of goals too. So you got to take that into account when you're throwing down on this team. Okay. So from a betting perspective, like that team, it was very emotional last night with all that happened. They had the right opponent. There's no way they're winning tonight. They're not, they're not being, because it was so emotional. Now they're on a back-to-back Seattle. better team. Yeah. There's no way. Like they, they, they emptied the tank last night, Zach. <laughs> I don't think there's anything much left, at least emotionally. I don't, I don't see how it happens with all that went down. It was a huge exhale. They got two points out of it. And they're like, oh, okay, now we're, we're still the same team that gives up a lot of goals and loses games. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Like, for, for this kind of game, like, this is the game that you go the player prop route with, with maybe your shot totals and maybe, like, Elias Pettersson putting up a point tonight against Seattle. But you're hammering the crap out of the Kraken. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I t- you guys saw my picks before. I took the Kraken on the yeah. blue line. I think, uh, you know, yeah. I think it's theirs tonight. Um, now, maybe, ahead, maybe puck line even. Exactly. I mean, we're that confident in Seattle for uh, for this Wednesday. Now, uh, let's also talk about another team because we're such pessimists today. Let's talk about another team that's not doing very well. The Minnesota Wild, Dave. It's just weeks ago we were talking about Kirill Kaprizov for the heart. They had two solid goaltenders. Everything yeah. kind of clicking. Not the case right now. They lose again to Tampa, which is fine. It's Tampa. But this team's in, tail, in a tailspin right now, and they're on the outside looking in as we speak. Lost three in a row. They, they've won four of their last ten. They're currently outside of the playoffs. Like, they're not just yeah. outside of the Central. They're outside of a wildcard spot. They're a point back of uh, the Avs. They've played the same amount of games. Now, they're, they're a point back at Calgary for that final wildcard spot, but they got two games in hand. So there's some life there, and, and the Flames, and, and that's a whole – Good job, Daryl. Uh, but this is a team in, in many um, that is starting to fluctuate a little bit. And this is the worry for this team. And this is one of the reasons why Billy Guerin, their GM, doesn't want to go all in with this group because they're still trying to figure out exactly where they are. they got to figure out the cap situation. It's like 90% chance that this is, and that might even be too much, or too little, excuse me, of, of this being Dumba's last season in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, you know, so like, there, there are a lot of question marks around this team, but they were doing it and staying in the race because, like, Boldy was well and, and he got his contract. And Kaprizov was killing it. He was third in scoring for a good stretch and then kind of dipped a little bit. Um, and Gustafson was holding the fourth down because Flower was iffy. And there's a lot of iffiness on this team right now, and that's why they're on the outs. Yeah, and look, d- these teams are so damn streaky, though, Zach. Like, next week we'll be talking about them, how they're in second place in the division because they won four in a row. Now, 
Brian Hartman not producing right. this season was huge, right? Because Fiala leaves, Fiala, yeah, Boldy's doing better things, and he got that contract. Fiala leaves, Hartman doesn't produce, Greenway's not the same player. Like, they're so damn streaky, I can't figure this team out. Because I will tell you, if they do win four in a row behind this, I wouldn't be shocked. Speaking yeah, of Fiala. Like this, it's like the it's it's like the the Buffalo Sabres right now of the West. Like, you think they're out, and then all of a sudden they go on a streak. And then they lose a oh, bunch. The Sabres are the biggest tease in the NHL. They are the biggest <laughs> oh, tease. Oh, huge. Because when huge. you think they're going to take and, off, they'll lose four in a row. No question. They're fun to watch, though. I'll play overs on the Sabres all day. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Sage but Thompson, the goal plus, last night was, incre- was yeah. incredible and tight. That move. They're a, Come on. They're a plus 20 goal differential right now. Like And, and UPL's doing and, and been doing well, too. So That's all right. They'll lose four in a row, just when everybody thinks they're right there. Yeah. I'm still sticking with it. I can tell you guys, UPL was undoubtedly the best goalie in the OHL over his course of the few years there. And every coach, you know, every time he came in, they were like, oh, God, UPL. And I would talk to Corey Stillman, who at the time coached the Sudbury Wolves, and he said, we play a totally different style when he's back there because we'll give up our two-on-ones and our breakaways. We know he's going to stop them. So uh, it's cool to see him translate. Um, so that's the Minnesota Wild. Guys, the New York Islanders, DB, one win in their last 10. I think they've scored, what is it, only more than two goals twice, uh, only twice in their last 13 games. So they're not scoring. Dave saw them uh, earlier in the week in Toronto. Dave wants to this, step in here. Please, Dave. Yeah, they just no, I was, they don't have the pieces. It's not there. Dave's chomping they, at the bit like don't. a racehorse. He's like, let me talk about the Islanders. Yeah. This freaking team. Um and I got friends on this team, so it hurts me when I got to talk about them like this. But this is um, this is a group that I saw on Monday against Toronto. First period was great. They were pressing, pressing, pressing. And then the next two periods, they it's not that they took their foot off the gas, DB. It's, it's like yeah. they just didn't have enough sustainable pressure. They couldn't keep it going. And then Toronto eventually pounded. Like, Toronto was crap in that first period. Like, they weren't that good. Yeah, yeah. they got a late goal. But they weren't that great. And I was sitting there halfway through the first going, another boring crap home Toronto game that I got to watch. And then they started to – and then they woke up after the second – or once At least the one team going. did. So I was thankful for that. Yeah. But the Islanders were good, and then they just kind of backed off. And, again, not because they did it on purpose, but they just don't have – they don't have enough offensive potency to stay in games like – the Toronto game, or like when they're playing those top compo- uh, opponents. That's why they've averaged two goals a game since 2023 started. And the two games that they be- that they won were against Vancouver and Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll use another car analogy. I just got a Mercedes, okay? And it's not that the Islanders don't have – wait, the Islanders don't have <laughs> gas in the tank. It's like right before I left the dealership, they go, oh, you know, you need, you need 93 octane, not 89 octane. Like, okay, so the bill for the car just went up. So that's the Islanders. They're, they're running yeah. on 89 octane. So there's the, And they need 91 or 93 octane because there's not enough offense. I love this team three weeks ago. Before this skit, I said, they're not going to play us. They're going to be in the top eight. They can't score a goal. They lost at home, looked bad against Minnesota. They lost at home to Carolina, scored one goal. Like This team doesn't score goals. So it's okay, Lou, that you were conservative and – didn't really do anything in the offseason, but now the tax bill came in, and it's yeah. a pretty big tax bill. You know what the tax bill is? You're not making the playoffs, and if you don't, you're probably not going to be the GM anymore. So 
That's the challenge with this team. Offensively, yep. they just don't score enough. Lou didn't address it. So when you hear about Timo Meyer or another score for this team, yeah, the team's crying for it. But again, do you want to leverage the future on this team? Because what's Timo Meyer going to get you? One round? Get you in? Maybe? Maybe win around? This isn't a championship team. There's not enough scores on this team. Even Zach Parisi is the top three goal scorer. Well, so, and he's having a nice season. I, I would argue. Yeah, go ahead. Please argue. Sorry, I, I mean, I would argue that, look, Meyer, because he's controllable, because he's an RFA, that's exactly who you have to go after. Don't go – forget Horvat, forget Kane and all that. Like, yeah, but, I mean, like those the, – the other top guys. Forget about Tarasenko right now. Forget about um, Kane, as I mentioned. Like, Timo Meyer, that's that's who you need because you throw him on the line with Barzell and, and you're doing well, you're rolling. The problem is – the other problem with this team, not the fact that Lou wouldn't want to do it, I don't know if they have the assets to pull it off. Like, who are they going to trade? Ratty as part of a package? Like, I don't know. It's like, I would. But it's Ratty, first, three first rounders, maybe. That's a bad Yeah, one. like, right. And that's the thing. So, like, it's not only that they have trouble trying to make those big moves. And all the stuff, and Islander fans will continue to chirp, and blah, blah, blah. And Johnny said he didn't talk to the Islanders. Well, guess what? Your agent did. So uh, <laughs> they were in on him. They missed out. They were in on Kadri. They screwed him over and missed out and dicked him around a little bit. So, like, this is – you don't have the asset pool to make moves from, like, the cover. Like, you can't just pull a few pieces out and go, we've got these. We can make this trade happen. So it's going to be tricky. Do they go to Brock Besser in Vancouver? Mm-hmm. Buddies with Barzell? Maybe. Maybe that, that, you know, it's another high price, but it, the price tag's a lot lower for him than it is for Timo Meyer, and he's controllable for a couple more seasons. But to DB's point, you're right. I mean, losing the last year of his contract, how much patient? How much more patient can he be? And and from a betting angle, Seth, there's no way I'm betting on – I'm betting on Ottawa tonight. The Islanders are not winning that game. They just don't <laughs> They'll get one or two goals and lose like 4-2. And and not only that, when you look at Sorokin and you look at his numbers, like 230 goals against 930-something save percentage, he's 15-15-4. and He's won less than half his games. So you can't blame the – like, okay, you you want to build us like the Rangers and and lean on Sorokin? you got to score more than one goal a game. That's the problem. His his numbers on a different team, you'd be talking about Vesna. They're not – Olmark's going to win the, the, the best, and without question. But they are comparable to Olmark. To when you get goals in your deeper team, that's what happens with the goaltender. So you can't blame the goaltender at all. He's done the job. The GM has let this team down. He thought that – here's what – I'll just leave with this. He thought that this was the same team that went to game seven against Tampa a couple of seasons ago um, and lost it by, by one goal. And it's clearly not the same team. Yeah, I mean, you, you you stole what I was going to say about Sorokin. He might be the third most talented goalie in the league. You could argue that all day, but it, he won't score goals. Adam Pellick, he might be the best shutdown D in the league. He won't score goals. We know what this team's problem is. They're the anti-Vancouver Canucks, where they've built from the back out, but they have nothing to show for it. Barzell, he's flashy. He, he's not putting the puck in the net. And, you know, they need more pieces. What happened to Beauvillier? You mentioned that game seven against Tampa. What happened to him? I mean, he looked like he was going to be a 30-goal guy. Oliver Wallstrom, he's hurt right now. Yeah. What happened to him? Yeah. These guys are just not producing. They haven't really built much from the pipeline 
Um, so uh, Atu Ratu, like he he looks pretty good, but what's he going to be? And, and obviously he's nothing right now in terms of making them competitive to, to be in the playoffs. So uh, there's a lot with the Islanders that we have to kind of talk about here. And uh, you mentioned that you think you uh, they're going to lose tonight. I have the under just because them and Ottawa, they're both not scoring. And Sarwokin yeah. has done the job, uh, but this team can't score. And so you're not going to you're not going to compete if you can't score goals in this league. Um, a guy who can score, at least dish them, is Eric Carlson. He's having a phenomenal year. Um, but, yeah, and D- DB, you were looking at the Norris odds, and things are kind of flipping. Yeah. It looks like in Carlson's favor. Uh, we never thought we were going to be seeing that, saying this coming into this season. You know, you've got Adam Fox. You've got Kale McCarr. But what a season from Eric Carlson. And uh, let's just get your overall take on the Norris as we head into crunch time here in the league. Yeah, well, the best defenseman in the league is Kale McCarr. There's no question. Right. If I want if I want to win one game and I need to, I'm picking defenseman, it's going to be Cal McCarr. But uh, the fact that this guy and, you know, with, with respect to the point totals for Carlson, look at those numbers. They OK, he must be a cookie monster on the power play. It's just the opposite. He leads the league in even strength points. If he gets to 100 points, he's winning the Norris without question. As great as Cal yep. might be and Cal misses games and his, his point total isn't there. This guy gets to one because remember, Yossi was trying to get to 100 last year, didn't get there, yep. didn't win the award and Kale rightfully won that award but this guy gets to 100 he's winning the Norris I think that I think that's presumptive and I think barring an injury which with this player's history maybe it happens but for right now in the moment he's the favorite he's clear-cut favorite and again if he hits the century mark he's going to win the award yeah, Eric Carlson has, has had a had tremendous year. And you mentioned Yossi, like so much talent back there. We were just talking about Adam Pellick, but guys that can really right. produce offense from the back end. It's it's really a Morrissey's doing great. What's that? Who's doing great? Well, Josh Morrissey Josh as well is doing fantastic. Oh. He's been fantastic with the Jets. But I mean, if he if Carlson wasn't having the season he's having, there'd be a lot more attention on on um on Morrissey's performance this season. Yeah. Uh but Eric Carlson's just been running away with it because there's no stop in his game. He's, again, five on five points, even strength points overall, he leads the league. That's ahead of that guy. What's his name? Connor. Connor. And this guy, Sidney. Yeah. And yeah. The other guys. yeah it, it's, it's a great comeback <laughs> season. It's a great story. And look, it's, it's going to feed the fire with respect to trade speculation over the summer. You yeah. know, I don't know how they do it. That has to be like a three-way. Like maybe Eric Carlson at eight million might be attractive. Some, but but you're betting him being healthy for the rest of the contract, which I don't really see. And that would mean the Sharks would have to retain, you know, for as many years as he has left. And there's yeah. a lot of great speculation around Timo already. So uh, we'll see what happens with that team. But that could create a market. The fact that he is playing like prime Eric Carlson. Uh, so we will see with Eric Carlson and of course the Sharks as that team is obviously in a retool as well. While we're on the topic of awards, and while you brought up that Connor McDavid guy, which I think I heard the name last week, but uh, it rang a bell. Uh, nobody, has won, nobody has won both the Rocket and the Art Ross since 2007-2008 when Alex Ovechkin did it. McDavid right now on top in terms of the points race and the goals race. Dave, that would be some sort of accomplishment if he, he were able to do that this year. We know he's going to win the Art Ross, but where we stand right now, 40 goals leads the league. Can he do it this year? Yeah, I, there's there's no there's no quit. I'm just pulling it up now to see like the guys behind him, and and this guy like Pasta's got 37, and then yeah. it's Thompson at 33, Ranton and Robertson at 32. Uh, yeah, like unless Austin goes on his tear and he and he scores in bunches, 
um, at certain times. Like he he's consistent, but then he's got that big spurt where he pops in like ten mm-hmm. goals in yeah. four games. Um, I, I mean, it, this is this is Connor's to lose at this point because it's it's consistent. Like he's doing great. Um, like it's not like he's got uh, like Joe Thornton a number of seasons ago where he had like. 18 goals or something like that, but he had like 80-something assists. Yeah, He had over yeah. 100 points, and it was like 80-something assists. This isn't what Connor's doing. He's not just dishing it off. He's taking control and finishing. So, you know, he's probably going to be around 60 goals. Like, this is going to be another back to uh, – like, they're going to be like, – with Austin getting 60 now and, and Connor just being like, okay, I'll, I'll, I, I could do this too. <laughs> like, I, I think he could – I think he's going to pull that off and – I mean, how can he not be the clear-cut favorite right now to win both of these awards? Yeah. yeah. Well, look, if you want to win like twenty, like ten cents on a on a dollar, or maybe five cents on a dollar, you would bet him to win the the heart, right? But but uh, if you, I don't know if you can do this, but if you can parlay him with another award like the Art Ross and the Rocket or the Rocket and the uh, and the Heart, like that's the play for Conor McDavid. I think that that's you might get some value out of that. And look, everybody said, oh yeah, Conor only scored forty-four last year, and Austin scored sixty, and. So Connor's not really a goal Only. scorer. And Connor said, okay, watch. You think I'm not a goal scorer? Okay. And they needed it yeah. because Kane went out. So even more of a sense of urgency. So you saw early in the season, Zach, he was shooting a score. Like, yeah, he, he sets up guys and stuff like that, but he was looking for his shot, which he really – not that he wasn't, but he's, he was a first a pass-first guy. Now the shot's open and he's got an open guy. He might take that shot. So so that that's why I see it. And so it was – every time people challenge his – Connor, the 200-foot game, he got better at that. You're not good at face-offs, he got better at that. Hey, you're not really a goal scorer, premier goal scorer. He got better at that. So I'm just waiting for the next challenge for this team. Uh, And I think that's how you play Connor McDavid from a betting angle. You're not going to get value on a singular type of thing with respect to the rocket or or the heart, but maybe a a parlay on some of the awards might get you some value. Yeah, I mean, Art Ross, Hart, the Ted Lindsay. I was going to drop that. Yeah, I was going to say Ted Lindsay as well played – like voted by the players, uh, who maybe Pasta, <laughs> maybe, but like the, the only the only way yeah, he's going to get beat out would be Pasta on the Rocket Richard. Like that's the guy, right? Maybe, if Connor yeah. gets hurt, he gets a little bit slump. Because Pasta's not going to stop because he's playing for a contract, so that's not going to stop. So he wants to he wants that's, to hit that total yeah. as much as possible. That's exactly it. Like if they don't get that contract done by like the trade deadline. Um, then he may be like, all right, I'm going to shut this down to the end of the season because I want to focus. And then I want to score 70 to really piss you guys off and make sure I get 13 million a year. Right. Exactly. I don't see why he would get 13 at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he's been unbelievable. And, you know, again, scoring in bunches, he's been consistent, kind of the Austin Matthews route. He had, uh, I think, one yesterday with two apples or something like that. He's just continuing yep. to produce. And yep. what's been awesome for Boston is they don't even have to put the perfection line together. They've moved him down, and when they get to Brussels, yeah. that is a yeah. hell of a top six. That check line is phenomenal, and it's got Bruins fans just raving right now because they've they've brought former six overall pick David's uh, David. Oh my God, they're all David. <laughs> I am. Yeah, exactly. Too many. They've got they've got Pavel Zaka back to life now. He looks like a good yeah. player. So it's just all clicking for Boston. And, of course, Pasta is the catalyst behind that. We mentioned Brad and, and Patrice Bergeron, too. So uh, there are quite a bit of things going on. They got – this team is so freaking good that they've got a guy that won the MVP a few years ago that nobody talks about in Taylor Hall. Yeah. Like, uh, I, and he doesn't need to be playing at a point-of-game pace because of how crazy this team is. Yeah, I think the narrative right now, guys, is like – 
which team can beat the Bruins? I think that's I, I think they're saying, okay, yep. who, who can beat this team? And maybe it's Carolina. I don't think it's Toronto. And so that the game on Thursday in Tampa, that's a measuring stick for Tampa, believe it or not. Tampa's playing really well yeah. now. Vasilev is back on track. I'm really intrigued to see that game in Boston going into Tampa on Thursday because I think that's going to be – there aren't meaningful games for Boston anymore. Maybe this one is, but they never lose. So how is any game more meaningful than the other? For Tampa, they're on a roll. They're in, I want to see that game. I want to see that it's that meaningful to that team to say, okay, we're probably going to see you down the road, okay? Um, so we're going to leave you a calling card right now. And they've lost the first two games of the series this season against Boston. So going home, they don't want to lose a third straight, even though they're the, chan- they're the former champs, they don't really care about that stuff. I'm really interested to see how that game goes on Thursday in Tampa. Yeah. As good as Allmark's been, Jeremy Swayman looks like he's back to 2022 Jeremy Swayman, which is huge for this team. Now they can kind of ride them both towards the playoffs, eventually lean on one, or they don't even have to. Uh, everything is clicking right now for the Bruins, and they're going to be getting DeBrusque back probably in the next couple of weeks. So Maybe, maybe the summer talk is Swayman, if Olmark can keep this going and they believe in him, Swayman, maybe even before the deadline, Vancouver, Horvat, extension, Ooh. Ooh. Demko, somewhere else. Damn. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. That would be spicy. Let's see Let's see that happen. I mean, that's that's mutually beneficial. We're talking about teams addressing needs here. One team that's looking towards another year and then one team that has aspirations this year. So I love that. Timo Meyer, I'm dangling the crap out of the Swayman carrot to teams that need goaltending. Totally. Saying. And he's a young kid, too. I mean, this is a guy that, that could yeah. be done for years in your net. So oh, yeah. uh, why, not? why not, if you're a GM, go after Jeremy Swayman? 24, controllable, RFA, let's go. Yeah, that's a hell of an asset, you know, when you're talking about the quality of the player, the age, and the, and the control. Hell of an asset for uh, for any team that would go out there and get Jeremy Swayman. Um, so we have touched on a couple of bets for tonight. This is Wednesday, January the 25th. Um, we talked about the Kraken. I think all of us are in consensus here that the Kraken will beat the Vancouver Canucks tonight. DB, you also have the Senators over the Islanders. Was there anything else you were looking at beyond those two? No, just just those two. Because I, I just, I'm so off the Islanders right now. It's just, I don't think they make the playoffs. So I just don't like the way they're playing right now. And Dave, were you looking at anything for tonight either? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm taking, uh, like, this is an easy one, but I'm going to take the Oilers on the puck line over the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, just because, obviously. Uh, but I'm also going with the Zach Hyman. I think he's going to keep it going. I, I think Zach Hyman pots one in tonight, so I'm going to Hyman anytime goal uh, for the Oilers tonight. I want to be Zach. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so you've got Hyman. Um, I've got Boone Jenner getting on the board. I think he's scored in two okay. great yep. games. Uh, they've got they've got the Oilers tonight, like you said. Noah Vander Kane. Uh, Boone might be more free yep. to play his physical game. He's back on the top line. And when it comes to the Oilers, we know they're not the strongest defensive team. Their goaltending's been better lately, but you never know what you're going to get. So I feel like if Columbus gets one or two, it's going to come from either that top line or the top power play, which he's pretty involved in. So I've got him on the point prop. I've also got him on the shot prop. And then I'm also taking uh, the Kraken on the money line just to play it safe. And then I'm also going to go with the under in the Islanders and the Sens because both these teams just refuse to score and uh, Sorokin's great, Ottawa's goaltending. You don't know what you're going to get, but 
Uh, overall, I don't think any team is scoring more than two goals in this game. If if the weather holds out, because uh, I'm here in Toronto and there's supposed to be some huge snowstorm that's about to start, and I'm just looking and it hasn't started yet. Um, so I may or may not be at that game tonight, depending on the weather. Uh, but I'm going to take the uh, the under, excuse me, as well, in Rangers and the Leafs. Um, I think this could go either way, probably New York's way, but I'm going to stay off it, and I'm going to take the under in that one. Yeah, Samsonov and Net at home, totally different goalie yeah. on the, at home on the road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the record speaks for itself, but you can tell he's kind of fighting yeah. pucks a little bit. He's not all that comfortable. He's getting the job done, no question. No. But long term, I mean, we had question marks about this goaltending. This goes back to our first episode before the Leafs played their first game of the year. What were we going to get from Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov? So far, it's been kind of inconsistent up and down. Yeah, yeah. I think Samsonov takes over. I, I said that at the start of the season. Um, but, you know, we'll see. we got, what, 30-some-odd games to go. So we've got a few games for tonight. Of course, it's a loaded schedule for this week, which leads up to the trade deadline. You two are not the – oh, my goodness – the All-Star Game, of course, the trade deadline, but the All-Star Game, guys, you two will be there in Sunrise. That seems like it's going to be a good time. Uh, anything specific that you're looking forward to as we get, you know, a week out or so? Well, I'm trying to see if I can get Dennis on the dunk tank. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to see see if my accuracy is good enough to pull that off. Yeah. Um, I'm, happy to go, I'm happy to climb up. And, and Dave, I guess you reported <laughs> this, that there's not going to be any alligators in the water. For those uh, skill competitions, that, no, they were trying to. They were trying that? to. Yeah, well, the NHL's email that explained everything, all the skills. They they were they were trying to do like, like instead of hockey pucks, you're using like frozen beef, like burgers, um, and like semi frozen so that the alligators can eat them. Um, I think they ran into a few risks with that, so they they probably have pulled yeah. that out. Unless they're going to surprise everybody. Um, but I'm sad to say that as of now, no more alligators at All-Star Weekend. The the greatest thing, Zach, about and, and I know people crap all over All-Star Weekend, but they don't see it from the, the optics that we do. For me, the greatest thing is um, the first time NHL All-Stars that come down and have a great time. I, I'll never forget, Dave and I were in St. Louis, and Jacob Slavin made the All-Star team for the first time. And he had he has a big family. They were all there. They were so proud of him and stuff like that. So it's then his family skates and stuff like that. So I, I think that is the biggest impression. It's the first time. Look, Sid, Connor, whoever, Leon, they don't care. But it's the first time guys that get that, like a guy like Kevin Fiala here in Los Angeles. It, it's meaningful to them. I think it really is. And not even to them because it's an exhibition game, but to their families. It's an accomplishment. It's an achievement that they should all be proud of. It's a fun weekend. We always have a great time there. The players do. The players that come, look, I get it. Like some guys don't want to go. They want the rest. They, they're playing for a Stanley Cup. But for the guys that come down, they always seem to have a great time, especially, like I said, the first timers that can – you know, show themselves off and their family and, you know, for all the hours that were put in behind the scenes to make them NHL All-Stars. The strip on South Beach might be pretty busy and uh, pretty lit, as they say, for the uh, All-Star weekend. Dave might be, you know. Los Olas. Yeah. <laughs> Los Olas yeah. in Fort Lauderdale, that street's going to be busy. Yeah, just behaviors. Remember, maybe, maybe, no, no, maybe, you know, drop so, into American Social or a couple other spots. We, we may be there. All right. So if you are in South Beach, of course. Dave's ping. It's on his tab. That's for Dave Panyota. Exactly. And uh, check out their, their stuff on the fourth period. Excellent stuff as we lead up to uh, the All-Star weekend. But also, as I mentioned, the trade deadline, I kind of got ahead of myself there. But a lot of great stuff, a lot of great scoops. 
and a lot of exciting stuff to look forward to uh, on both of those fronts. So guys, thank you. And we will talk next week. And of course, let's enjoy the hockey, enjoy Florida, and we will see you all next week. 